You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing well out there in Ute Nation. Brian, well, I guess we have some good news with regards to today's podcast because the Utes, they've advanced in Las Vegas for the first time at T-Mobile Arena. First time since 2016. And I guess it probably depends a little bit on what, what kind of news you're classifying as good these days with the University of Utah basketball program. But it was a very unexpected affair. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just like they've provided for us all year long. Yeah, so we'll break down that win over Washington that turned into a little bit of a nail-biter towards the tail end of it. We'll also preview their showdown against USC. Can they pull off another stunner and upset the Trojans? We'll talk about that. And, of course, it is a hashtag Twitter Thursday here on the podcast. We'll be answering your guys' questions you have submitted on social media. We'll have some fun with that as well. So plenty to get to here on a Thursday. Let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for March 11th, 2021. Once again, welcome into Locked On Utes, your daily podcast focused on all things Utah. I'm Jay Catch. That is Brian Brown. We are back together. It's been a busy week for me, Brian. Thanks for filling in as always. You are a stalwart here uh, covering all things Utah, and I'm always pleased to be joined by the brown bear in the chair himself. So thanks for filling in for me, bud. The good news, Jake. Because I'm moving in. I'm going to bunk with you, buddy. We're going to be pals. We're going to wrestle around. Because I'm sick and tired of living in a van down by the river. (laughs) Mrs. Hatch may have something to say about that. But nonetheless, thank you, Mr. Foley. And (laughs) All right, let's have some fun here on a Thursday. Uh, Just a reminder for you guys, if you haven't done so, please leave us a rating and review. We want only five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you like about the podcast, what you'd like to see improved. But leave us the biggest thing we care about are those five-star ratings. That's all we want, especially on Apple Podcasts. All right, getting going here on a Thursday, Brian. Well... The good news is, is for the first time in five years, the University of Utah men's basketball program is not one and done in Las Vegas. I think that's a positive step. Yeah, I I would have to say it is. I think the astonishing part about it is how they did it, right? The final score of 98 to 95 and really the explosive shooting from three point. It was very explicit in the Wednesday episode of the Locked On Utes podcast, that this was not a good outside shooting team. So whoever that guy is, don't let him move in with you, Jake. <laughs> but I also said that this team was starting to execute really well on offense, and and that proved to be the case in this game. They jumped out to a pretty big lead. Uh, it, it, oh, it, it was tepid at times, right? And then at the end, they did what Utah tends to do and tried to give the game away, although – Credit to Washington for hitting some absurd shots there at the end to really pull it closer. Yes. Uh, let's put it this way. Washington t- attempted 70 shots in this game. Just think about that. That is a monster 
number of field goal attempts in a 40-minute basketball contest. They hit on 52.9% of them. Uh, Utah countered with a 60.4% shooting percentage. More importantly, 53.8% from beyond the arc. Just a very nice shooting night for the Utes. And you're right. They did see a 19-point lead fritter away and ended up with only a three-point victory. Uh, I know that the sports books had Utah as an eight-point favorite. I'm sure there's some betters there in Las Vegas and just around the world who were pulling their hair out as they saw that lead just get grow smaller and smaller and smaller. And, of, of course, uh, Utah only wins by three. But nonetheless, I, the overarching thing is Utah has advanced now, and that's the good news. But I wanted to dive a little deeper into this, how things went. I really liked the performance from all the starters from Utah. All five of them finished in double-figure scoring. Timmy Allen led the way with 24 points. Alfonso Plummer, reliable himself, uh, funny enough, was 6 of 11 from the field. And Brian, wouldn't you believe it, all six of of makes and all 11 attempts were from beyond the arc. Uh, Plummer... just believes that, you know what, I am going to get mine from beyond the arc, and he was hitting yesterday. Alfonso Plover loves that arena, the T-Mobile arena. Yes, he does. Bunk up in there, big guy, because he just shoots lights out every time he goes down there. As you said, he was 6 for 11, but there were also strong contributions from Mickey Yontanen, who was 2 for 3 from from beyond the arc. Riley Batten was 3 for 4. Pella Larson, who I... uh, for some reason, I didn't even realize that he was second in three-point percentage in the Pac-12, perhaps because he doesn't take a lot of threes. Yeah, He went two for five. And the bigger, maybe overarching statistic was the fact that Utah had four players, or five players, excuse me, end up in, in double figures. Timmy Allen with 24, Larson and Yontanen chipped in 12, uh, Brandon Carlson had 13, excuse me, six. Six, I was going to say, uh, Riley Batten Riley off the Batten. bench. Yeah, yeah had 11. So maybe I should read my statistics a little bit better. But uh, I think probably is is you take the performance from Utah and try to adapt it to what's going to happen against USC. The concern has to be the turnovers on the defense, right? Sure, and that that will be a concern. We'll talk a little deeper and do a little more of a preview on USC here in just a minute. But I, I agree with you. My One of the things in this game was that with a 19-point lead, and you and I talked about this right before we hit the record button, that this Utah basketball program, most college basketball or NBA teams, if they get nearly a 20-point lead or a 20-point lead, you think, okay, this game's over. They can sit down uh, the starters, let them get some rest, rest up a little bit ahead of a game tomorrow, but not with this Utah squad. You have to play every minute and hang in there. Timmy Allen had to play 39 minutes in that game. That's a little bit of a concern considering, yeah, if you're going to keep surviving and advancing, you're going to be playing every day for four straight days. I think that if you're the coaching staff at the University of Utah, your primary concern was getting past Washington, and then you'll go from there. Sure. But you're absolutely correct. If this is really – it's – and this may be the frustration I think a lot of fans share with Larry – you know, with one another about Larry Kraskoviak is – you're going to focus on Washington, but you talk about how this team is good enough to beat everybody. Mm-hmm. So are you really focused on Washington or are you trying to win the tournament? And if so, there was a point where Riley Batten was playing the five and yeah. he's not a five. He should never play the five. He is just not fit to play that position. But Larry is so stuck in the way of, of never wanting to play Lahat tune because I understand it. Lahat thinks a lot when he's out there it's not just reactive it's not natural it's not fluid he's still just very very raw 
But for some of those guys, the only way you're really going to get better is to actually play. And they sure. haven't done that at all this year. So now you're at the point where you really can't plug him in and hope for some big minutes or anything like that out of him. And it's a problem. So they've he's tightened this rotation up all year. I, I'm not really understanding as to why that was done, but it's going to hurt them going up against USC where they they do have a stronger front court if they don't find a way to get Timmy Allen some breaks and get him off the court and keep him rested. And so th- that's going to be the double problem that they have. Now, I think the benefit that they have is they've had a good game plan against Evan Mobley for the last two times that we've seen him, and we'll talk that, about that a little bit down the road. But, you know, this is – this is one of those situations where I think the coaching mindset doesn't always match what's really happening with the players. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. It was an eight-man rotation in this game. I, I would have been thinking that you would have extended that out a little bit, giving guys a little hot tune, a little more of a run here to see what they could offer. Uh, and, Brian, one thing you mentioned a little bit earlier on that I do want to address here is that there is a turnover concern here, especially with Pella Larson and Alfonso Plummer. Both of them had six turnovers apiece. Uh, that's 12 between the two of them amongst the 16 as a team that Utah had. Timmy Allen had three of his own. You can kind of live with that considering he put up 24 and 11 as well as four assists in this game. But yeah, the the backcourt there with Pella Larson and Alfonso Plummer, they got to tighten up their hand a little bit. You cannot afford to have the two of them combined for 12 turnovers. You can, and I think some of that was just due to the fact that Utah played at an extreme pace. That was evident by the score, and if you were watching the game, that was pretty evident as well. Yeah. And for some reason, they like to play fast against Washington. I don't know if the thought process is that if you play fast against Washington, it doesn't allow them to sit up in that bizarre zone that they like to play, or if it's just that they naturally get into a boat race with with the Huskies getting up and down the floor. But it's been a concern, and it's been fairly consistent, I think, you know, throughout 11 turnovers in the very first game against the Huskies and then 16 in the second. So uh, follow that up with another 16, you know, 16 to, you know, last night. And and that's a fairly consistent issue that they've had with Washington Could probably justify that some of that is the length in that in the athleticism of, of the Huskies. But also a lot of it is, like you said, there's guys that are doing things that they've done all year now that, are way loose, and that's got to get tightened up. Yeah, the thing about Washington is it seemed like it was defense optional for that team, especially in that game. They were just letting Utah kind of do what they wanted, and I don't know what's going to happen with the Huskies. They finished 5-21 and on the year. Utah, as it stands now, 12-12, and so they sit at 500 with an opportunity to get over 500 here as they face off against USC later this evening. But I, I, I agree with you. There are some overarching themes that it carried over into this game but I just I let's take let's just look at the positive with this Utah advanced for the first time in five years of the Pac-12 tournament that is an accomplishment and now you have the opportunity to go up against what many believe is the best team in the conference with USC Evan Mobley uh the Pac-12 what uh did he get the triple crown player of the year defensive player of the year newcomer of the year I think he got all three of those uh in postseason awards so let's dive on in and talk a little bit more about that USC match because I think it's intriguing considering Utah has beaten this team. We'll talk about Evan Mobley, what Utah has done to neutralize him to a large degree, especially in their last matchup. We'll dive into all of that here momentarily. Before we do that, though, Brian, let's take a minute and talk about our good friends over at Rock Auto. Uh, I was actually talking with a friend of mine recently about Rock Auto, and he asked me the question. He's like, well, what do you know about Rock Auto? I'm like, what I can tell you is they have an incredible website that is easy to navigate. It has literally every manufacturer for every 
part that your car, truck, or SUV could ever have. And the best part about it all, it's a family-owned company who's been online for 20 years. This is a well-established, well-maintained machine that wants to make sure that your machine, speaking of your vehicle, is taken care of. Their business has always been auto parts distribution. They're great at it. And what they've done is they've built a website that's easy to navigate, like you said, and gets the right part to your door so you can be a do-it-yourselfer or, or a try-it-yourselfer. It's it's a great time to learn a new skill, Jake. Mm-hmm. And auto repair can save you a ton of money. It's fun to do if you get into it. It can be also very frustrating. I'm sure the people out there who do woodworking are looking at me like, oh, really? But... <laughs> The good news is is that you can try some things out with Rock Auto and not get burned if it doesn't work out your way. You can get the parts to your door. They're going to be the right parts. They're going to fit the right time the first time. They're going to be much less expensive than everywhere else. You're not going to have to rely on somebody who doesn't understand your car, doesn't understand the make, doesn't understand what you're talking about when it comes to that problem. You can rely on yourself to get it done. And that's probably the best part about it. Rock Auto is willing to sacrifice the price so that you can get it done. Yeah, why pay 30, 50, or 80% more on markup for the same parts you can get at rockauto.com, guys? Take advantage of it now. When you go to their website, make sure to mention Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box, so that way they know that we sent you to check them out. It's an amazing website, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. That's our good friends at rockauto.com. Brian, let's take a minute here and pause to talk about a new friend of ours on this podcast. There's our good friends over at Blue Chew. They are sponsoring today's Locked On Youth podcast. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. They want to help you guys out. Process is simple, Jake. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll get your prescription within days. And the best part about it, No awkward doctor visits, no going to the pharmacy and bumping into the brown bear as he's shopping for chocolate at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. or both, who knows, and and no having to go to the doctor and deal with all the waiting room stuff. It's all done online. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. By the way, you don't like swallowing pills. I think many of you out there probably have an aversion to that. No problems here. It's all chewable. So if you can benefit for extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for all of our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay the $5 for shipping. That's it, folks. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code Locked On. Receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Locked On Utes podcast. Brian, we've talked a lot about the Locked On Today podcast. I got to say, I have listened to it every day since they launched it. What was it last month when they officially launched the podcast? And it truly is the best way to get up to speed on everything that you need to know about the sports world at large in 20 minutes or less. I want to encourage everybody out there, if you haven't checked it out already, make sure to download or subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, let's talk about the matchup this evening that Utah has. They're facing off against USC. Uh, This is a game that I think Utah should have some confidence considering they've already beaten USC once this year. And the biggest storyline coming out of that game was the fact that Utah effectively neutralized Evan Mobley. What are the chances they can do that again tonight? Well, it's actually happened for two games that they've played USC. The first game, Mobley only scored three points off of Three free throws at three. Whoop. Good luck saying that three times fast, Jake. Three free throw attempts. In the second affair, he managed to get 
11 points and eight rebounds, but they still held him well below his season average. And it's really kind of been the key for USC to get Mobley, you know, mobile. Yeah. No, they, they USC does need him to lead them, obviously. He is going to be a top five NBA draft pick. There is no doubt about that. You don't find a skill set like his very often, but for whatever reason, Utah has had the answer to, yeah, to effectively shutting him down. The, the big question I've got going into this matchup, and you can probably shed some more light on this considering what you've seen from it and dig into it a little bit more, but I think the big question is, okay, can you do it for a third time? Because that's that that is the big question there. And that is the biggest question is, will Mobley have started to figure out what it is that Utah has been able to do to confuse him? It doesn't, it's not as if he's not trying at all. He just doesn't shoot well against the Utes for whatever reason. If some of that is the way that they're, they're guarding him, then so be it. You know, does he try to get to the free throw line a little bit more? He is a 70% free throw shooter on the year, but to be where he's at. So I, I mean, he's leads the Trojans in almost every single category. He averages 16 a game, nine rebounds, three blocks. To go from 16 to 11 doesn't feel like that much. But what it really did against the Trojans is it just took the wind out of their sails and Utah was able to hold on for the victory. That might be the, the other question that you have to ask is if you are able to hold Evan Mobley to below average numbers, are you going to have enough in the tank at the end of the game to actually finish this one? That okay, and that right there, considering you've played a game already that was a very high paced game, that's that's the concern I think in this contest is how high paced last night's contest against Washington was, is if Utah will have the legs. And I know that it's like verboten to talk about BYU on this podcast, but Many of you know that I do the Locked On Cougars podcast. Well, BYU had to beat Pepperdine in overtime late Monday night and then turn right around and take on the number one ranked USC Tuesday evening. And in the second half, you saw BYU's legs give out on them in the tail end of that game. And obviously, Gonzaga goes on to win that game. That's the concern I have for Utah here. I think this is a very similar type of setup. I know they didn't play an overtime game against Washington, but the pace of that game, the extra possessions, the extra runs, up and down the court, I have a concern that Utah's legs may get tired in this one, and that could could lead to some issues down the road. And you have to wonder, with a USC team that's somewhat fresh and coming off of two wins after losing back-to-back games at Colorado and at Utah, if they aren't maybe a little bit more uh, – excited to play this game and and the tournament matters now for them, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are, there's a lot more on the table for them in terms of trying to win out and get seating in the NCAA tournament. Whereas Utah's kind of fighting for their lives. I I do. I do think that Utah is playing with a lot more confidence right now, offensively than they have in a long, long time. The question for me is going to be, are, is that same effort going to be there defensively and will it be able to last for the full, full length of the game? Like you said, so that's they play the games, I guess. Yep. Um, you know, so that we looked either dumb or really smart one way or another. But <laughs> I think I think for Utah to win, they're going to have to have the same kind of effort from everyone in order to get by the Trojans. Yeah, they're going to need they're going to need a similar type of game that they've had the past two times they faced off against USC. And in all honesty, if I'm Larry Kriskoviak, I'd go in with that same game plan and say, you know what, we are going to do everything within our power to shut down Evan Mobley. We are not going to allow him to take us out. If the other guys on USC's roster 
make shots and beat us, great. But we're not going to let the best player in this conference be the reason why we bow out here and end our season on a sour note. And yeah, you're right. We're, we're either going to look like geniuses or we're going to look, like, look like fools. But I, I am interested to see how Utah does in a third go-round here with the Trojans. You know, Andy Enfield's probably going to be preaching to his guys. These guys have, have made it life tough on us. We cannot afford to allow them to do it a third time. But Man, that's like you said. That's why you lace them up and get get out there on the court and see how it goes. And and the interesting matchup is always, you know, what what do you weigh heaviest? Is is there a certain player on the court other than Mobley that could have an impact for USC? Same for Utah. Will Brandon Carlson play big? You know, a big role in this game. Will uh, you know Al Fuego come back alive there in the T-Mobile Arena? And the other part to look at is is the coaching matchup of Larry Kraskoviak versus Andy Enfield, mm-hmm. coach. Coach Coach Larry, for all of his faults, has gotten the best of Andy for the most part since he's come into the Pac-12. And so you have to wonder if maybe they don't have a little extra up their sleeve for the Trojans. And he he even mentioned in his posting, post-game comments that he liked the fact that they had played them recently. Yeah. And so Utah knew what to look forward to, and they knew what to to do. And he kind of hinted at the fact that they were preparing for the USC game in addition to the Washington game uh, in his his comments this week as well. So. Well, I, if if I if if I had been advising Larry Kraskoviak, that's what I would have said. I just I, I would have been like, you know what, have a game plan in place for for USC practice for them, get ready for them. And yeah, you're right. The, the nice part is they do have the players. Speaking of Utah's players, they have in their recent memory bank. Okay, no. We played well against this team. We we beat them. So they 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 have some success against this, and it's just a matter of going out there and executing it once again. We'll all find out six thirty tonight uh, in that quarterfinal matchup with an opportunity to get to the semifinals. And you know what? If you're Larry Kraskoviak, there's one other thing here you can preach to your guys: is we got nothing to lose. Our season's over whenever we lose here. Let's go out and leave it out all out on the court and go out there and have some fun. Absolutely. It's it's March regardless, yep. Jake. And we have basketball on the eve of or I guess the day of the one year anniversary of losing all sports for what felt like forever. And, <laughs> you know, for I think everybody going through some of the most major changes of their lives yeah. for a year during a pandemic, we've got sports back. And so. I think Utah's done a great job to get to this point. I, I think this team deserves a lot of praise. We love to sit back and critique things, but at the end of the day, this is a team that's found a lot more success than I think a lot of us expected at times during the season, myself included. There were t- times where I just didn't want to watch them anymore, and they've come through, and, and they've they've made a fan out of me, whether I wanted to be one or not, and I'm excited to see what they do against USC because this is a team that's earned that kind of enthusiasm. They keep dragging us back in. There's no doubt about that. All right. Every time I try to leave, they, they come <laughs> pulling me back, me back, me back. That's exactly what they do. But uh, we'll look forward and we'll, of course, recap that game tomorrow, whatever comes out of it. Uh, coming up next, it is a hashtag Twitter Thursday. Get into your guys' mailbag questions. We'll answer those as we close out today's show. But first up, let's talk about our good friends at Bet Online. Brian, you and I both know this. We want to let our listeners know Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, no matter if it's NBA, college hoops. Uh, NHL hockey, golf, uh, Major League Baseball is going to be on its way here. But more importantly, Brian, it's not just sports. They even cover award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. They have got everything covered for you from a betting perspective. I've mentioned it all week long, Jake. 
don't just sit on the couch and waste money. Make yourself some money. Put that real time in to, to get that pocket deeper. Great place to do it, betonline.ag. Yeah, take advantage of it. You can get a free sign-up by going to betonline.ag. But more importantly, they're still offering a 50% welcome bonus. All you got to do is go to betonline.ag, sign up for that free account. When you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On for that 50% welcome bonus. It's a great way to get some free money to play around with. It's all courtesy of our friends at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Brian, a busy day here on the podcast with some of our favorite sponsors, and it does not stop as we talk about you and I. Honestly, and, and we're probably not supposed to say this, but Built Bar, I think, is you and I's favorite sponsor with us here on the Lockdown Utes podcast. And the best part about it is we've all been telling you about Built Bar for it seemingly years now, talking about how healthy it is, low sugar, low calorie, high fiber, high protein. But more importantly right now, Brian, they're trying to crown the best Built Bar of all of them. They're doing a bracket and it's your chance to weigh in on this. I'm outraged, Jake. Why it's are already you ruined. My bracket's been busted. I don't believe it. Orange is out. Yeah, that was throw my hands up. I don't believe it. You sound like George Costanza right now. I'm loving it. <laughs> but no, you're right. I, I was I'm a big fan of Orange. I was I was very upset. I was very upset to see that they were upset in the bracket. But there's a new round of voting today. Let's tell you who you can vote on today by going to BuiltBar.com. We have a matchup of Caramel Brownie against Cherry Barcia, as well as Lemon Almond Cheesecake against Carrot Cake with Walnuts, Brian. I think this is a no-doubter on both of them. In my opinion, I'm taking Cherry Barcia for the win in the first part and Lemon Almond Cheesecake in the other. Are you going to disagree? No, I'm not. That's a tough draw for the carrot cake with walnut squad, though, it because is. that's a tasty bar in and of itself. Mm-hmm. If Cherry Barcia does not advance, Jake, we're right. I will rent my clothes in shame. <laughs> in sackcloth and ashes. Yes, we will. We will. We will. We will riot. I can tell you that much. That, 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 I, go ahead. I will riot by finishing off my box of Cherry Barcia and ordering another one. <laughs> And proving everyone wrong. As you should. That is an absolutely delicious bar there. But the best part about Built Bar is all of them are delicious, no matter what the flavor is. Right now, you can still get 20% off your next order by using the promo code LOCKEDON20 when you go to BuiltBar.com. Brian and I, we are huge, huge fans of Built Bar. want to encourage you guys to take advantage of that offer. 20% off using the promo code LOCKEDON20. And while you're at BuiltBar.com, make sure to weigh in on this bracket and make your votes every single day day it's a ton of fun to have some fun this time of year with march madness ongoing that's courtesy of our friends at built bar once again promo code locked on 20 for 20 percent off your next order it is a hashtag twitter thursday here on the locked on Utes podcast but you need to pause here brian because there's gonna be a fun program this sunday it's selection sunday we all know that the locked on podcast network is going to have you covered though we're gonna be live on selection sunday march 14th reacting to who's in and who's out of the ncaa tournament big 10 uh, locked on big 10 host ben stevens as well as josh neighbors will host selection sunday live with local experts from around the locked on college network of podcasts follow at Locked On Live on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook today and watch our live selection Sunday special on March 14th. Should be a fun way to kind of celebrate and kind of dig into the brackets. We have a lot of different hosts all over the country. I'm sure they'll be happy to share their opinions. 
and I'll be right there along with them listening and, and eating my built bars, Jake. I, I, you and me both. I can tell you that. I, I, I would assume considering I do the BYU podcast and they're projected to make the field, I might be on the show. So we'll find out about that. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated with regards to how that shakes out. Must be nice. I know. Must, must be nice. <laughs> Nonetheless, check that out, guys. I think it's going to be a fun show they'll be doing live on Sunday. All right, Brian, we have two questions here we need to answer here on a Twitter Thursday. Let's start off with a Participation Trophy, a.k.a. Cycling Ute 22. He sends us in, says, at Locked On Utes for your mailbag, if you could field a team of all 22 players with clones of just one player from the Kyle Whittingham era, who is it? And there's a secondary question. We'll answer the first one here momentarily. Also, if you could pick one for offense and one for defense for that entire offensive unit and the entire defensive unit, who would it be? And he says, adds, thanks for answering my dumb questions. Thank you for, for sending us your questions. I will never call any question dumb because I give enough dumb answers on this podcast where I can't judge anybody. Uh, Jake, do you have an answer? I do have an answer. I think it's the obvious, sadly. It's Eric Weddle for the first part of the question. It is, and it's Eric Weddle across the ball because yeah. across the board, excuse me, because he did everything for the Utes in 2009 under yeah. Kyle Whittingham. He played quarterback, he played running back, he played safety, he played corner, he played linebacker. I'm pretty sure that if he wanted to, he could have played tackle in practice and done pretty well at that as well. So it's a very simple response for me. To this day, I will still be upset that he was not given any kind of run at all in 2009 for the Heisman Trophy. We decided to hand it out to Mark Ingram that year. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I, Eric Weddle is the obvious choice on that front. The second question, though, is if you could pick one for offense and one for defense. This is a very intriguing question, Brian, because uh, on offense, I've actually got an interesting answer. And let me give that real quick and get your response to it. I'd pick Brant Keithy. What do you think? That's not a bad choice, Jake. I think you get some size, you get some athleticism, you get some varying ability. My answer would be Britton Covey. Okay, Britton's another good one right there because his versatility as well. There's no doubt can't about that. Can't tackle what you can't catch, Jake. Yeah, that's so. a good point. I'm just I'm just thinking uh, with Brant, just the fact that he he has the size to play, it'd be a smaller offensive line, but you could put five of those guys up there and they'll be pretty scrappy up there on the interior. But nonetheless, all right, defensive-wise, if you had the entire defense, Okay, this is what I was thinking about, and let me let me know what you think. I'd actually take Paul Kruger. Kruger might be a good answer for for all of the above, right? High sure. school quarterback. He has the frame and the, the athleticism to move around a little bit, so he could play on the offensive line. Not that anybody would really care about Paul Kruger playing a line other than me. Um, Man, that's that's not a bad that's not a bad answer, Jake. I'll, I'll tell you um, this much though: Kruger with Kruger's on defense, the secondary we're playing quarters coverage like thirty yards deep. I'll tell you that. Yeah, much. yeah, <laughs> you're just gonna go ahead and let it stay in front of you as much as you can and get yeah. the ball back as quickly as possible. Just try and sack the quarterback. Yep, yeah, absolutely. You had an answer for the defensive side. I think I would go with Devin Lloyd, and, okay. and the reason for that is just the versatility with his size, his athleticism, his knowledge of the game. I think that he can play multiple positions. He can tackle. He can blitz. He can play in coverage on defense. You could flip him over to the offensive side of the football and put him at wide receiver. You could put him at running back. You could put him at quarterback and just run the triple option all day long. So 
Yeah, it's not bad. I don't know what it is. All right. And then we have one other question here as we wrap things up from our friend, you are J ball. He says, always been fascinated with the role that these lower level coaches play in the success of a position group. I have a buddy that coached on the staff for a few years. You would probably know him. The amount of work they put in is insane. Might be fun to pull back that curtain a little bit. And Brian, you had a little more of an insight on this, but it's true. There are so many facets of what goes into the success of any given program, but more uh, more importantly, any individual position group. And it's true. It takes, uh, it seems like a village to make sure they have success with these teams. It takes a million villagers to, to raise every Utah child, so to speak, Jake. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of hands in every single pot uh, or position group as they would correlate over. Uh, so, for example, with Jim Harding, he had Brock Bander for years as his graduate assistant. That's now translated over to J.J. Dealman, who was working with the offensive lineman. And a lot of what they do is is the hard grinding stuff. It's the cutting up the film. It's labeling the plays. It's putting together the play sheets. You know, graduate assistants have a very heavy role in that they basically pre- prep every single thing that's needed for those early morning Monday meetings when the coaches all come in and sit down and discuss what they need to do, what the game plan needs to be and everything like that. Now, of course, they're all doing their film study on their own, but the first time they come into the meetings, all the materials they have, the the scouting reports, everything like that, all done by the graduate assistants and all the helpers. And then for the position coaches, it's putting together a game plan after the game is over, grading your players, making sure those grades are posted immediately. You're making sure that every single guy in your position group is, is going and, and transitioning to the roles that they need to be in accordingly, that they're growing and progressing along the timeline that you have set for them. If guys are falling behind, then you're trying to get with them and work with them or trying to get them to meet with whoever it is that they can meet with. There are strength and conditioning coaches that work with the players when position coaches cannot. And so those guys wear a ton of hats, especially because they have to be around the program almost all the time to be available because there's not hour restrictions on them. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot that goes into it. And you add to that, that every position coach has recruiting duties that they have to take care of. Uh, for Kyle McDonald, it might be logging into the Xbox for a couple hours one <laughs> night and gaming out with his buddy, you know, with whoever it is that he needs to game out with, you know, for uh, some of the coaches, it's making phone calls or FaceTiming or whatever it is. You know, there are coaches that like to send out letters and, and you know, I think Freddie Whittingham's a big one in that regard. So they do a lot. And that's where you get to 60 to 70 hours a week. No problem because there is so much to do. Yeah. It, Trevor Riley has been up there on that staff and I've talked to him about kind of what he does. Similar to what you're talking about. They are the backbone of the success of any, any program and they have a very important role. So I, uh, I guess we can issue a kind of a blanket blanket thank you to all of those guys, all of those coaches who may not get the notoriety that there are. I guess notoriety is probably not the right term, the, just the publicity or the pub that they're looking for, but they're still doing a great job. There's no doubt about that. All right, Brian, a little bit over time here, but nonetheless, a lot of fun conversation today. Enjoy the game against USC tonight. We'll recap that for you guys on tomorrow's podcast. Look ahead to the weekend for all things in Utah sports. Hopefully we're talking about a semifinal matchup for the Utes when it comes to the Pac-12 men's tournament, but still plenty to touch on on tomorrow's edition. Make sure to join us then. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for March 11th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.